Chasm, the podcast dedicated to the highs and lows of crushes. From their first to their worst, we're going to cover them all with a cascade of characters, including our guest today, a pop culture time capsule in human form, Scott Grimes, a pizza-loving softball player, podcaster, and an avid sleeper who is here to talk not only about his shows, People Don't Forget, and Totally Rank, but also his crush on a whole genre of television, teen TV. Scott, how are you? I'm doing really well, Kendra. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm so excited too. We've done so many types of crushes, but this is this time where after 100 episodes, we're finally getting into kind of concepts. We had a crush on nostalgia not too long ago, and I'm really excited that we're going to explore a whole genre of television. But before we get to that, can you tell us where we can find you and your shows online? Yeah, absolutely. So I have a couple different nostalgia-based uh, podcasts. One of them is called Totally Rank, uh, which is kind of a twist on Total Request Live, um, where essentially we just pick, I pick a year, I go in order um, since 1980, and we just count down the top 10 songs of that year my guest and i so for example um, we just finished up our third episode so we did the top 10 songs from 1982 i give my list my guest gives their list and we kind of just go back and forth talking about these different songs um and then my second one is called people don't forget it's a nostalgia cast that really just covers a lot of different um pop culture things from the 2000s um you know we have episodes on tv music sports pop culture entertainment crushes actually is one of the episodes we did and so just a chance for people to kind of talk about uh you know things within the past 20 23 years or so and kind of reminisce you can find both of them pretty much wherever you get your podcast apple podcast spotify anchor and then of course um if you will up either show on facebook you'll be uh directed to the fan page and then there'll be a website link from there as well i'm really excited to dive into totally rank because i actually just wrote about total request live today while i was at work because it is one of my favorite shows of all time but we'll get to that i'm really excited about that so i am excited about this one uh, because I, this is a genre of television and movies uh, that I love. I love a coming-of-age story. I'm always going to be a sucker for one. And my first love was definitely Saved by the Bell when I was a really little kid. But what TV show for you was kind of the first that got you into, like, loving the teenage experience on the small screen? Yeah, you know, I think a lot of it kind of comes with the timeline. Um, you know, obviously when you're kind of a little kid, you're pretty much predicated on whatever your parents will allow you to watch, right? Mm -hmm. So as as a kid in the, the mid-90s, when I was kind of too young to really make my own decisions, it's a lot of like Nickelodeon cartoons and things like that. And don't get me wrong, those were great. But it wasn't until I think I started to form my own sort of opinions on what I enjoyed watching that, uh, you know, I was really able to come into my own. And I think one of the first shows to really usher that in for me was Born Meets World. I remember we'd watch it every week on TGI and that was one of kind of the first shows that really depicted to me the middle school experience and then on to the high school experience and it was one of the first shows that was really relatable to me so I think that's what kind of sparked it for me and it ripped the band-aid off and then from there it was just a tailspin of all the team television that I could possibly consume. 
Did you hit middle school and kind of think, well, I'm older now. I'm getting like mature. Let me mature my TV experiences. Yeah, exactly. I felt like it was time to stop like watching like Rugrats and, and you know, the different things that I was watching in elementary school. And it was time to, yeah, to start branching out into things that were kind of culturally relevant as well. Like some, the topics that they're handling on these shows are the same things that I'm going through in my own life. So it kind of just became a perfect marriage for me. And you said no shade to the cartoons because we love our Nicktoons and our Disney of cartoons. Of course. But, you know, you weren't really messing with them as a middle schooler. You're trying to, like, branch out, be more mature. But have you checked out Big Mouth? I know it's animated, but it's definitely up there for me for teenage experience going through puberty. I freaking love it. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I don't think Big Mouth would have gone over as well when I was like the target oh, no. demographic. <laughs> but now that times have kind of changed and people are obviously just way more open with things and can express different things. It's certainly a show that I did. I have watched. Um, I do recommend. I think it's great. I think it's hilarious. I think it's a little bit over the top, but in the, the, a way that it needs to be. And it's definitely something that encapsulates the, the teenage experience. Maybe a little bit too much, but definitely enough to get it exposure. I don't think enough. I mean, I wish that we had a show like that back in the early 2000s. Like, I think yeah. I'm still learning from it. <laughs> I'm like, oh, because <laughs> there's so much, especially from the female experience of like maturing and puberty. All we get is like the period episode and then we kind of just, you know, go into yeah. all the boys and whatever. And it's like, so Big Mouth, I love that it's balanced. It's, it's, course, it's so good. Who knew? Yeah, I think that if it weren't for the you know obviously some of the the content on there this is like the perfect show to that you would have in like health class right like mm -hmm. middle school health class is always so awkward and yeah. like teachers bless their heart like they try to broach some of these subjects but like these 11 and 12 year old boys and girls don't want to hear about each other's like developing bodies mm -hmm. and all these different things and so i feel like big mouth is the type of thing where you could actually show it to a class and actually have like generate those conversations without having that awkwardness I think if I was a parent, I would definitely just be like, oh, they're starting to need deodorant time to put on Big Mouth. Yeah, explain exactly. Everything. <laughs> it'll, it'll do the work for me. So you also mentioned this was like you get to middle school. It's kind of you start picking what you want to watch. Did you grow up in a home where a TV was a little more restricted? No, not at all. Okay. Definitely not. My my mom was very, very like laid back with the TV viewing. More so on like the movie side, though. You know, it was like movie wise, like we definitely didn't have a lot of um, restrictions. Like my, we were a big like horror movie family. So a lot of those obviously aren't very kid friendly, especially from the nineties. Um, so there weren't restrictions there. I think, like I said, it was just more so, you know, for a while we had just like one TV in the living room. And so it was kind of like, and so it was myself, my brother, my sister, my mom and my dad. So it's like all those people kind of fighting over one TV set. You don't necessarily get to watch what you want to all the time. And so a lot of it was just kind of like whatever my mom wanted to watch or my sister, cause she was older and kind of had like more permission. So that was kind of the issue with me was like, I really just didn't have the opportunity to browse for myself. So when I finally did and I was a little bit older and my sister, you know, wasn't around as much, like, and I kind of had control of the remote. It was like, here we go. Finally, the floodgates are open. <laughs> I can, I can watch what I want. I imagine it is very like a dramatic moment where you got the remote placed in your hand and it was like, yeah, oh. yeah. <laughs> that's exactly what it was. Yeah. That to me, more than anything was like the passing of the torch that I was like an adolescent. I was like, oh my God, I get to like control what's on here and I'm not like at the mercy of my mom or my sister. This is great.
I'm telling you, getting your own TV, though, what it was like around tax return time is when my poor family <laughs> would, it would be like, okay, here's Christmas now. So we each got a TV, big, big 90s box TV. And I actually, I think my mom, it might have, it's still in my, well, my younger brother's room. He's 30 and he still has my old TV. But yeah, that was a memory. I love. Yeah, it makes it it makes a huge difference. Like, and I shared a room with my sister. So, to put it in perspective, my sister is five years older than me. So, in like the year like two thousand, I was ten going on eleven, and she was like fifteen going on sixteen, which obviously like. You know that there's a big difference in interest there mm -hmm. and things that you're watching at those ages and so like sharing a room with her and then when we finally did get a tv in there it was like okay now like i can kind of watch things that she watches that my mom doesn't really know that she watches <laughs> so, like because she just has it on and she thinks i'm asleep probably but i'm not like i'm in the bottom bunks we had bunk beds and like mm -hmm. i'm in the bottom bunk just kind of like taking this all in and then every time she leaves like this is my domain and now i can throw on whatever i want <laughs> oh, you gotta love it. Gotta love it. people that didn't grow up in those times. It was rough. We didn't have streaming. We didn't. Right. <laughs> we had to do it the old school way. So since then, you've watched a lot of these types of TV shows. But with that, what era do you think gave the best teen TV? Was it the '90s, the 2000s, 2010s, current 2020s? I definitely think it, it's the 2000s. Um, I mean, all of them obviously have to me like shows that are very important like you mentioned Saved by the Bell that was another big one for me along with Boy Meets World from the 90s and then um like Seventh Heaven was another big one from the 90s but the 2000s to me like I just think that TV became more popular a lot of 90s TV was like sitcoms that was the big thing in the 90s was your 30 minute episodic sitcoms your full houses your friends and seinfeld and cheers and and frasers and all those whereas the 2000s i think shifted and those hour-long like dramas became more of the hot topics and kind of the the ratings um grabbers for networks and so you saw a lot more of those types of shows emerge and the demographic who was you know in still at night were people in their like early to mid teens like those were the people that were actually home at 7 p.m 8 p.m 9 p.m at night to watch those shows that were marketed for them and so i think because of that we just saw an influx of so many like new types of of teen television shows and all different types of genres that everyone could enjoy well we're gonna stick with your favorite era and talk more about a handful of shows that if they're building was burning you would run in and save and first up we have to talk about Degrassi the next generation I'm with you 100% here it is without a doubt one of my top 10 TV shows of all time so many iconic moments but was there a storyline you love not so much for the entertainment value but because you found yourself having a personal connection to it Oh, so many. Where do, where do I begin? Degrassi, The Next Generation, like, I remember starting, like, when I started watching that in, like, 2001, that was really one of the first, like, appointment viewing type shows for me. Like, I had to be home. I No matter what I was doing, I had to make it home in time to watch it. I couldn't watch it on the rerun, right? I had to watch it live <laughs> when a new episode aired. Um, and I was literally, my brother and I were obsessed. I think one of the, one of the early ones was the episode where, um, Jimmy kind of tells Spinner that he stinks, um, mm -hmm. that he needs to like wear deodorant and he has like BO. And I think again, just as like a teenage adolescent boy, that's such like a big issue. And it's something that like you kind of struggle with cause you're like, well, you're just kind of lazy and you want to just go outside and you don't want to like 
change your socks and put deodorant on because it's just that's just more time that it's causing you to be outside and be with your friends you want to like maximize every minute and so that was something for me it was like to have a friend like jimmy kind of say to spinner like dude you stink like you need to do this so it's so much different when it comes from like a friend of yours and not a parent right because a parent or a teacher an authority figure you're kind of like naturally rebellious and you're like whatever they're just trying to tell me what to do but when it's a friend of yours and it's a peer then you can kind of look at it like whoa if, if my friend is telling me this and like all of my peers are aware of this maybe i should probably do something about this so i definitely remember that one kind of being something that i directly related to interesting you know we always think of teen tv and it's always so i think heavily focused on maybe female viewership but you coming here and i i had male friends who watched the show too do you think degrassi did a good job of kind of balancing the female to male and i mean they had all different types of characters even i mean as it grew we got non-binary characters and all that do you think degrassi kind of did the best at that representation I think I, I think of the sort of other type of shows that were similar to Degrassi or that same demographic, definitely, right? Because, you know, it was a 30 minute like sitcom type of, you know, episodic TV. And at the time, I think the the other shows that were kind of marketed to that similar demographic were like, let's say like a Lizzie McGuire, for example, which was like predominantly white you know and whereas Degrassi was very diverse the, the cast like there was one of everything like every person in your friend group was pretty much represented and it really was a great balance between male and female like I think it started off and like Emma's kind of the central character and so there's a lot I think of the kind of preteen adolescent um girl stuff that they're dealing with but I think as certain characters came into the show like Craig and Marco those were characters that were getting the a storylines and the main focus and it was more obviously on the the male portion of stuff right and mm -hmm. you know getting into even with like struggles with mental health and with sexuality like those in a lot of shows were normally the issues that you'd see the female characters deal with and on Degrassi it was the male characters that were dealing with that and I think that was really refreshing but on the flip side as much as I love Degrassi there were some characters that you know, I wish would have gotten transferred over to Lakehurst. Do you have any characters like that where you're like, we didn't need you? That's a great question. I, I feel like I, over time, I grew to like appreciate everyone. Um, but I was definitely not a Paige fan early on. I didn't like her, you know, kind of uh, self-entitled sort of brat um, behavior. So I would say definitely Paige. I wasn't always the biggest Toby fan. Uh, he reminded me a lot of my little brother where he would kind of like narc on people and he was kind of like this goody two shoes who was gonna like tell mom if you like skipped a class or like got a B on a test or anything like that. So I think just because of the correlation to my brother, I wasn't a big Toby fan for a bit. But yeah, I mean, I think over time, like I grew to appreciate most people, um, even the like Peters and, and, you know, other people in later seasons that like didn't have the best reputation. I did feel like they were kind of necessary. I'm with you on Toby. Should have been Toby, not JT. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was, oh, but to this, probably the most I've ever cried over a death of, of a TV show, a character. I was like, but like heaving with the boogers. Like it was, it was like he actually died. Like I was in my dorm by myself, like crying. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was, and that's the other thing with Degrassi, like, their whole tagline was like, it goes there. Yeah. And it really did, right? Like it, they really pulled out 
the big stuff like obviously the school shooting episode mm. was a just iconic and like Jimmy was my favorite character and this is pre-Drake like just mm-hmm. you know for for me to be a, a teenage boy of mixed race who's into like hip-hop and sports that was Jimmy like he was mixed race he was he played basketball he was into hip-hop like I really I don't know I really related to him a lot and so for him to be the one of, of all of them to end up you know getting shot and going through the you know being in the wheelchair and going through that process like it almost felt like that was me going along that for that ride with him so that one was really uh really devastating i feel like i'm to blame for jimmy because all my favorite characters always were the ones jimmy um what was it tristan like i just have a bad run with my favorites if if you like them they're the ones that go through it yeah i'm like oh again i'm cursed i'm the degrassi curse Yeah, no, I think I was the opposite up until Jimmy. Like, the characters that I liked were usually the ones that, like, kind of excelled and did well. And then the whole Jimmy thing, like, flipped it on its head. And I was like, oh, man, now I know, like, what people felt like when, like, other characters were going through certain things. Because, you know, now it's, like, my guy, Jimmy's going through it. So now I can relate more. And I think that's one of the reasons, like, a character like Paige that I started to understand and relate to more. Because, like, all the stuff that she went through now to me like i kind of knew how it felt as it was going through jimmy and i was like whoa now like now i can kind of sympathize for Paige, and now it makes me kind of dislike a character less mm-hmm. yeah i mean every character except for kendra you know uh spinner's sister <laughs> kendra who disappeared <laughs> after like a season all right all right peter her she's somewhere out there in canada <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so another show you love that was a wild ride that I sadly I did get off when Mini Coop was kind of tossed into the mix. It was the OC. But however, Seth Cohen, he will forever have a hold on my heart. He is like top tier 2000s crush to me and so many others. What do you think made this character an instant favorite? I think he was just so relatable to people who weren't like the popular kid in school, right? Like, you know, he was a trendsetter and he really kind of gave the outcast someone to root for every week, you know, like if you look at kind of the the shows that were comparable to the OC, like before that, you know, you had like a Beverly Hills 90210 for people in the 90s and like, but those characters were pretty much like the cool kids, you know, like Dylan McKay and Brandon Walsh and Steve Sanders. They're like the popular elite kids. And so there was no one for like the outcast or the misfits to really root for. And then you get Seth Cohen, who, you know, when the show starts, really doesn't have any friends. And, you know, it's kind of someone who really keeps to himself and he knows he doesn't fit in. I think that every kid who's ever felt that, an ounce of that, could relate to him. And then you throw in the fact that he was just like hilarious and his sense of humor was not only the comic relief of the show, but really one of the hallmarks of the show. It's really hard not to like like a character that one is funny and two is like so relatable. Around the same time the OC was airing, you probably watched this because you like the genre. There was another show, it's on ABC called Life As We Know It and sadly they aired they tried to compete with the oc and i think that was its undoing did you ever check that out did i did i send that to you because it's on my list here no no i just it's one of my i love that show i would watch um, that i feel like nobody knows this show no like i the one i've seen their character names are like dismissed like 
out of my head, but the one who was like the photographer that was with Kelly Osborne. Yes, I followed yeah, that by Chris Yes, I followed him to private practice. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was obsessed. I was like, this is my boy. I have this movie called Graduation because he's in it. like obsessed. But yeah, I used to have my mom record the OC so I could watch like as we know it. So, so like, oh. yeah, I, I, the thing is, I actually got into that after the fact. Like, I didn't watch it when it aired live you know back in like 2003 2004 um i ended up i didn't i knew about it i knew what it was but i don't know maybe it was my loyalty towards some of the other shows like i just felt like it was i didn't want to bite off more than i can chew but after like i obviously certainly went back and this is with a lot of teen television shows that i didn't watch at the time like i've gone back and and watched them you know start to finish and life as we know it is like really good it has a really strong cast right like sean ferris is in it and missy peregrine like it had a really good cast and like those were people that i followed and i was like oh sean ferris and i watched like never back down and then he popped up on pretty little liars he was the detective and i was like oh that's the guy from life as we know it so it was actually a really good show and it had yeah definitely had a lot of similarities to the OC. I think, unfortunately, for it, one, it was thirty. You know, it was a thirty-minute show, I believe. And then two is, I think, ABC Family at the time, which is kind of still thought of as like too cookie cutter, and it wasn't like cool and edgy like the OC was. Yeah, the OC was. It was pretty reckless, you know. Marissa Cooper was crazy, and that's when I kind of left the show. I didn't actually finish the OC. Once Marissa left, I didn't really like the dynamic of the show anymore, and I actually yeah. didn't see the finale until a few years ago. But a show that I did finish because it was rudely canceled, popular, and we talked about this travesty of cancellation on Crushing on 1999 with John Riley from But a Song, but. And we both could not believe they just left us with a cliffhanger. So if Genie from Aladdin could bring back one canceled show for you, would you spin that wish on popular? Oh man, that is tough because that that was one of the honestly the first shows that that kind of got me hooked on teen television. Um like I had the hugest crush on Sam, played by Carly Pope from Popular. Like I that was one of my absolute first crushes. Um I I want to I want to say yes just because there are a lot of other ones but I feel like they at least lasted a little bit longer to get more closure. Popular was just two seasons and there was just so many there were so many characters and there were so many more directions they could have gone in. I would have loved to have seen them like go to college and just kind of see what came of all these characters. So yeah, I, I would say I think Popular would be my my top choice for for a show that should have gotten more seasons or a show that we could totally get a revival of and see where they're at now. I mean, the CW, I don't know really where they're at right now with their programming, but I know Riverdale's out the door soon, so... That's right. And The Flash is going to be done. They need some... Need need to revamp. Ooh, they should do a 7th Heaven reboot with, like, like Barry Watson. Without without the dad? Oh, yeah. yeah, He's... We could see he's (laughs) passed. Like, we don't... (laughs) We don't really need him. (laughs) He's like yeah. handed the congregation down to Lucy. Hey, yeah, dancing. there we go. Oh, I, oh, hey, get that like classic WB shows back, you know? I love it. I'm in. I'm in. You got the <laughs> twins, Sam and David, are like in college at this point, right? Like, mm-hmm. let's do. I mean, outside of of Jessica Biel, nobody's doing anything. You know, yeah, like, I mean, uh, even even miraculously happy is still alive. You know, <laughs> Dad didn't make it happy, did? <laughs> <laughs> there we go. I, I love it. <laughs> So speaking of the WB, we have your other favorite shows, One Tree Hill, but then you had Friday Night Lights. These are two shows that 
I know enough about because they were so popular, but I never did watch them. Um, I wasn't really into like sports driven dramas. Do you think that each of them like deserved that cult following they had? Yeah, oh, absolutely. So I think one of the things I love about both of these shows is that it is a little bit more geared towards males, right? Because it has that sports element. It's one of those shows that you're not as ashamed to tell your friends that you watch. You know, it was a kind of a hard sell for me in middle school and early in high school to be like, hey guys, like, did you check out Popular? You know, <laughs> or like, did you watch Gossip Girl last night? Like, but One Tree Hill and Friday Night Lights were a, an easier sell for my friends. But it's like, well, it's just a show about basketball. It's just a show about football. And then all the other stuff that kind of comes with it, you can look at as sort of secondary, even though obviously, especially in, in One Tree Hill, the, the basketball is like third or fourth on the list of priorities. It's definitely all about the drama. But I think it was easier to get into. Um, and that's why I could sell that one. Like if my friends were over and I really just wanted to watch an episode, I could like at least get them to agree. About 10, 15 minutes in, they were either hooked or they were completely out of it. But at least I was able to get them to commit to it. Um, and I think that's why there's such a cult following for both of them is it's I, I mean they're so character driven like you know there are still people this day that are either you know team Brooke and Lucas or team Lucas and Peyton you know and over on Friday Night Lights it's the same thing like there are people who love Eric and Tammy they love Matt and Julie they love Tim and Lila and like people will literally like go to their graves with these opinions and I think that's what makes it so strong is that you get so invested in these characters and every week you know you're going through the motions with them and it's really hard to detach yourself from it yeah that's when you mentioned like people going to their graves with their kind of what do we call it otps <laughs> yeah exactly saying? otps yes who is your favorite teen tv otp uh, if i have to pick one it's tough if i have to pick one i think it's probably seth and summer from the oc i just love the fact that i mean that is every like kid every outcast boy is like dream is to be in love with the popular girl who doesn't know you exist and doesn't talk to you and then finally you're able to to break through and begin a relationship with her and have this whirlwind romance fall in love with each other and like you know end up together at in the end like that is such an underdog sort of overcoming the odds story and i think that one's just so inspiring i mean there are so many i could go on and on but if if i'm gun to my head if i have to pick one it's, it's seven summer for sure it's probably because you started with Boy Meets World, and that's kind of the story of Corey and Topanga. I mean, exactly. she was weird as hell when the show started, but she was like that beautiful girl that, you know, is a little out of, you know, she should have been with Sean if we're going based on like, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's why you like uh, Seth and Summer is ingrained into. <laughs> yeah, I agree. It, I mean, there are those couples that. And the, I think the other one with those, with like a Seth in the summer and a, a Corey and Topanga is that there was never really that triangle, right? It was pretty mm -hmm. much always Corey and Topanga. Obviously they had like their ups and downs and he, you know, cheated on her at the ski lodge or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Seth and Summer had like Anna and they had a couple other like hiccups, but for the most part, it was always centered around those couples rather than like your, let's say your Dawson's Creek, like your Dawson, Pacey, Joey, there's always that like contention because there is the triangle there. And so you have to choose sides. And so it splits 50-50, of course, whereas Seth and Summer, you're kind of 100% on board because there isn't that, oh, well, what if they're with so-and-so instead? Yeah, yeah. Like she was never gonna go for Ryan. 
Right, exactly. <laughs> that was never going to happen. And like, it was never going to work out with Zach as, as cool as I thought Zach was. Like, it was just always going to be set in summer. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you can't beat them. They're definitely, for 2000s teen shows, they're, te- they're royalty. Seth and Summer. They were, they were goals. And I also, like, me and my friend thought because, like, all this started to happen for Seth when he turned 17. So, like, when we were, like, getting close to that birthday, we're like, you know, it's going to happen. We're going to get a boyfriend and we're going to be cool. And then, like, I turned 17, 18, I'm 36. Yeah, I'm now. Yeah, I mean, well, it probably, I don't know if this happened or not, but you probably didn't have, like, some cool out-of-towner from Chino come and start living in your pool house. Like, that's really what it takes. Sadly, no. My my mom never brought. Well, she we did have my cool friend move in because he got kicked out, but he was too cool. Okay, <laughs> he wasn't I like gotcha. taking me, taking me, tagging me along. You know, <laughs> yeah. he just kind of stored his shoes in our his clothes at our house. <laughs> yeah, that's not that's not that's not good enough. <laughs> nah, nah. He wasn't giving me a Seth Cohen. <laughs> so now, not every show is without its faults, and there are plenty of teen TV shows that can be as the kids say, a little extra. But you told me before we talked that you are loyal to a fault and will watch and defend this genre of TV. So I have to know what show you've spent the most time defending and why. So I think the thing is, I only defend it to myself, right? (laughs) Like it's not something that I have to defend like to other people because quite frankly, I don't really care whether or not, you know, what their opinion is. It's more so like, some shows get to a point where I know it's it's just bad, but I'm so far in already. You know, if I'm three, four, five seasons in, then I, I almost have to finish just like out of dedication. I'm like, I have to finish this. And one of those shows for me, and I think part of it too was because I was getting older, right? Like I was kind of in college and then and, and out of college was Pretty Little Liars, mm-hmm. which like, I watch that show. I can't watch it now. Like, I, I don't think that's a show I'll ever do. Like, a, a, you know, I'll ne- I don't think I'll ever watch it again because it was so bad. It was just so, like, over the top. Nothing was believable. To me, a lot of the acting was, like, cringeworthy. And I had to defend it to myself, like, in the later seasons. Like, why am I still watching this? This is terrible. I find myself, like, on my phone, like, while it's on for most of the episodes, because I don't even care. And yet, I'm five or six seasons in, and I just feel like I need to to let it play out at this point, and I need to get to the finish line. Like, because I do want to see if, like, Arya and Ezra end up together or Caleb and Hannah or is it going to be Caleb and Spencer like I'm so invested that I'm like at this point I just need to finish it so that's one of the big ones for me because I feel like that show went it had a lot of buzz and it was really popular the first like three or four seasons and then it really started to go downhill for me so would you say that's like the one show that was almost the straw that broke the camel's back like you were like almost like maybe I'm not going to finish this (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, that was it was definitely up there. Um, and then the only other one it's funny. It's, they're both from ABC Family Freeform, whatever you want to call it. The other one that I absolutely could not finish was Secret Life of the American Teenager. Mm. Like, I just couldn't. I couldn't. That one was just too bad. Like, that was the acting was awful and it just didn't make any sense. And I that one, I, it, that's one of the few shows I've actually stopped watching as it aired. That one I didn't never I never watched it, but I remember how popular it was, and I was just like, yeah, mm, I would see the commercials and think, why? <laughs> yeah, it was it was really really bad. <laughs> Interesting. Now you said you'll always defend them, but is there a cliche in teen TV that you'd like to see done away with? Um, I 
I, one thing that kind of bothers me, and I don't know if it's necessarily a cliche, but it's definitely not common in real life, is like these small friend groups that only ever hang out with each other and only ever like see each other. Okay. Like in every single one of these shows, like the group of friends, whether it's four, whether it's the OC with like four friends, or if it's like 90210 that has like maybe six to eight, but like outside of that group, no one ever like hangs out with anyone else. There's never like, oh, where's uh, so-and-so today? Oh, they're hanging out with their other friend. Like they just always, it's always so like incestuous in the dating, right? Everyone like dating each other in the same friend group. Like there's no loyalty, there's no bro code, there's no girl code. Like there's, there's none, none of those like friendship hallmarks exist in these groups. I have to say that is interesting because I think because I love these shows so much, maybe that's why I just don't branch out from the little groups I always had. Like my friends all had, you know, other friends, but I was like, no, nah, I like these six people. I'm not going to really. Yeah. Branch out from You're like, this is my show. These are my yeah. characters. This is my show. And I can't deviate from that. No, I, I get that. And I feel like I've, I've also like been victim of that as well. But I've I've always been a fan on teen TV of new characters. Like I think I'm the opposite of a lot of people who like are strictly, you know, core four or core however many. I love when shows get an infusion of new characters, usually like a season two. I love a season two of most teen shows because you get new characters, you get new love interest, and it's it like freshens things up. So I've always been a fan of that. I think for Degrassi that totally works because they had an you always have to have new kids entering the school. You can't have Craig yeah. be a senior for like 20 years, you know. <laughs> they yeah. I like while it's so hard to say goodbye and when I watch Degrassi it's kind of like I always would be like mm, at the new ones but then a week later I'm like I'm obsessed with them and I can't imagine having them in my life. Yeah, especially when they time. they kind of did those hard resets like I'm thinking about the season when like Drew came in, mm. right? And it was like, oh man, pretty much everyone is gone. Like the only OG left is like Peter and he didn't even come in until like season five. And he's considered like an OG at this point. And like everyone else is gone. And you're like, I don't know that I, if I care about like Eli and Claire and, and Jenna and Casey, but then yeah, same thing. Like you keep watching and then you start to get invested in them as well. Yeah, it doesn't take long. You gotta stand Eclair. <laughs> but they have to be like good characters, right? And like you mentioned, Degrassi, I feel like did it well, where a lot of other shows like brought in new characters and they weren't well received and like people didn't like them and they were gone. Like it's very hard for like a character who comes into a show like in season two or three to like end up staying on the show. Usually they're just like guest spots and they kind of get in the way of the the meant to be couple or they, they're in to cause some sort of drama. And then when that's done, they're gone. The only sh other show I can think of that I watched that did it well was Boy Meets World with Angela and then introducing us to two new characters once we they got to college. Yeah, I mean, Jack was great, right, obviously. And again, but those, and I, those, those shows are, I think it was easier with the 30-minute, like, shows that were a little bit, like, you could do more. Those shows, again, like the OC, like, no one from season two stuck around, right? Like Alex, Lindsay, Zach, like none of them stuck around. And One Tree Hill, there were new characters in season two and like they didn't stick around. Um, just thinking of like some some of the people in like Vampire Diaries that they would bring in never stuck around. So yeah, I think it was easier with some of those like 30 minute um, shows that were able to churn out more episodes. And so there was more room for new characters because like, Forming World and Degrassi seasons were so much longer because they would do pretty much two episodes at a time at a time. And so you could get like your big characters in the first episode and then the second episode could be like introducing the new characters. 
<laughs> for sure and back when boy meets world and i guess the early days of degrassi we also didn't have the internet to complain about if we'd like it or not we just accepted it we're like that's hey, true it's on <laughs> I'm gonna watch it because there's nothing else to watch. That's, I'm, I'm already, yeah, I'm hooked. <laughs> what else am I gonna do? Like go on Microsoft Paint for hours? <laughs> <laughs> Play solitaire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yay. So not too long ago, I had a guest, Dustin Holden. He's from the Rewatch Recap. And we we're talking about his TV crush. And we got into Teen TV because he's also a big fan of the genre. And we were like talking about why it's so popular and why we still love it as adults. And it's because we've already been there, done that, and it's still relatable to us. Is that why you've continued to in take in these shows? Yeah, I think that's a big part of it for me is, you know, now it, it, you're watching it with fresh eyes and a different perspective. And I think for me, with a lot of these shows that I've seen, you know, four or five times all the way through, it's like the first time I saw it through, I was probably middle school, high school. Then I watched it again when I was in college. So different era, different perspective. Then after college, like early into your kind of adulthood is a whole different like set of eyes. And then you get into your 30s. And again, you're a different person. And so the way that you view things changes. And so, you know, you're watching it from different stages um, of life. And so you can like there are things now that I watched that I appreciated more than I did back then. There's things that back then I, I liked that now I don't and vice versa. So I think it's it's giving a fresh set of eyes. And then also for me, I think is, you know, watching newer shows now, it's kind of like comparing it almost it's almost like okay is do i think this is as good as as some of these shows from back then or are they recycling storylines it's almost i'm always almost like curious to see these newer shows and and how they're presenting certain issues that have been there forever in the genre but kind of seeing if they're putting a fresh take on it well speaking of new shows do you have any like new favorites that you feel are going to kind of stand the test of time like I think any kid any age could watch Degrassi today and still love it as much as we did back in the day or even like the OC or there's even people still getting into 90210 because they're just an addicting do you see any shows like that now so I mean I honestly I struggle with a lot of the the newer shows like I I, I'm not a Riverdale person like this which is crazy because again it's like such it's so I mean, it's in the wheelhouse usually of everything that I enjoy, but you know, some of the shows like that I haven't really gotten into, but I do think that, you know, I, the first few seasons of Riverdale, I feel like could be that type of show. I I know that, you know, I've kind of heard that as it's gone on, it hasn't been as good. Um, I think the one that, and I'm, I absolutely love it. And I, I hope that it continues to go on forever is, uh, Ginny and Georgia on Netflix. I, I mean, to me, that show, it's like, it's Degrassi vibes and it's, like Gilmore Girls vibes and it, it just has that feel that kind of older early 2000s type of feel to it despite taking place you know in modern day but I think a lot of the themes and a lot of the way that um, the issues are handled is very similar and I think that's a show that's very very relatable is has its finger on the pulse of a lot of you know the big sort of pop culture and societal issues and so I think that's the one that I've seen that has p- the potential to have that staying power. You mentioned Gilmore Girls. I volunteer at a like dress shop. We give free prom attire to teens that need it. And a girl came in and she was like, I'm going for a vintage like Gilmore Girl, Rory Gilmore vibe. And I was like, vintage? What? <laughs> oh my God, just felt grays just coming into my hair. I was like, oh yeah, I, I know what that is. Okay. <laughs> I was like, girl, made me feel hot. I felt like it was she was looking for a poodle skirt. Like, 
Like, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> Can I get a, a pink ladies jacket? Please? <laughs> like what? And yes, Riverdale started out very, very good. But then Chad Michael Murray came with a like organ stealing cult or something. And it got too much for me. <laughs> I was like, yeah, what that's, is that's going fair. on? What is going on? Yeah, I, I think the supernatural element of it is an interesting <laughs> take, but I don't know that it's really that necessary for that show. It was, I feel like it was that. doing well. I feel like it was doing well. Like, <laughs> it always obviously had the supernatural element, but I feel like it was doing well before they, like, turned it up to 100, like, yeah. on the dial for the supernatural <laughs> stuff. At least that's, for, again, from the few that I've seen and, like, from what I've heard, that seems to be the general consensus. Another, a couple other shows, Pin 15, beautifully done. Should have got more seasons. Damn COVID yeah. ruining the production on that. And them getting pregnant because they are grown women. <laughs> and right. also, Never Have I Ever, I think is going to... I, I It might beat Degrassi for me. Might. <laughs> As my favorite. Yeah, thing. and I think it's tough nowadays because, again, like just the way that you consume television is different and so seasons are shorter for one right like you get 10 episodes mm -hmm. for a lot of seasons and then i do think that things just get canceled prematurely now because everyone is always looking for the next best thing especially with streaming it's like oh we've had really good success with this show but like i think we can do better or these actors are either aging out or they're just kind of becoming too popular for some of these shows and so we need to you know we need to kind of move on to something else um it's kind of like the freaks and geeks effect where it's like freaks and geeks was is now looked at as such an iconic show from that era but it only lasted one season yeah and and you know obviously at the time like again there's no internet so there's no like online petition to save it and like all of these like crusaders whereas now these shows some of these shows just end prematurely and you kind of just deal with it because next week there's like a brand new show in its place on netflix and it's like very similar so you just kind of roll with it i mean not every show can be euphoria which is degrassi on right. acid yes exactly wild. i love it though i'm obsessed but <laughs> so we usually in this portion asking what you think your life would be like with your crush but this time i'd like to know what you think your life would be like if you never stumbled upon teen tv Honestly, like I probably I would probably be a less dramatic person for one, right? Because everything anything that happens in my life, I try to relate it. I'm like, man, if this were a teen TV show, it would play out this way, right? Um, I probably would have had more success in my romantic endeavors as a youth because I felt like I used to overdo everything. And I tried to Seth Cohen on the coffee cart, every single girl that I liked. And mm -hmm. I quickly realized that like a grand gesture every single time to every single girl is not smart because word gets around. Oh. And they're like, oh, well he, he did that for me. And girls talk to each other and the TV shows, they don't really tell you that. <laughs> they just kind of tell you that if it's meant to be like you do it and then it happens and you're good. Um, so that I feel like, uh, you know, would have been different, my approach. Um, and I think just me as a person, like my creativity as a person, like stems from watching a lot of these shows. Like I was always so enamored with just like the storylines and the creative aspect of it and everything that goes on behind it. And I think without kind of that thirst for knowledge, I certainly wouldn't be talking to you because I wouldn't be a podcaster. You know, I wouldn't um, probably be so keen on nostalgia and, you know, have it be something that is an everyday part of my life. And I just feel like there'd be a void, you know, that wouldn't be filled by by a different genre of shows. If I only watched like comedy shows, if I only watched like, you know, action adventure shows, I just think there's a void that teen television shows fit that I don't think you can get anywhere else. 
Or if you just watched every all the SVUs and CSI. Right, exactly. Like, yeah. If you were like a mom, because that's a, like very big mom TV. Yeah, like yeah, it's every single night, all I did was watch Criminal Minds. Like mm-hmm. I might, I'd probably either be a serial killer or I'd be an investigator because that would be my whole life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, teen TV, yeah, it does make you a little dramatic. <laughs> Yes. I definitely agree with you on that. So now it's time to talk about uh, what you have going on. You got a couple of shows, so we'll just go in chronological order. People don't forget kicked off around late 2020. Uh, what led to that coming together? Um, well, it, I mean, it was something that I, I'd always wanted to do. I'd kind of dabbled in podcasting actually before the pandemic um, with friends. Like I realized that like my, when my friends and I would kind of just sit around and, and talk to each other, I was like, guys we should just record this because this is literally what a podcast is like people listening to guys talk about, like we were just talk, we would talk about like just like sports and you know your typical guy stuff and so I kind of started doing that with them it was just literally for fun I just wanted to have like a time capsule of conversations with my friends and then from there I, I started to really enjoy it and I was like I feel like I'm kind of good at this like I'm good at coming up with segments and I'm good at like asking questions and directing conversations in a certain way and I'm great with segues I was like this is really fun and I really enjoy this how can I like expand on this and you know so once the pandemic hit and obviously you know all of us are, are home more and trying to think of things to do and I was like well yeah I can do my like eighth rewatch of One Tree Hill or I can like start doing something where I can talk about my seventh rewatch of One Tree Hill. Like, you know, where can I, like, how can I have this platform where I can, there have to be other people who, you know, kind of reminisce about things the way that I do. And then I just got into that whole rabbit hole of nostalgia podcast. And there were so many of them. And I pretty much listened through all of them and was like, well, all right, now I'm back to square one. Uh, let me just try to create one myself. And I was fortunate enough to, you know, have a pretty good podcast community built up already. And so I was, you know, able to reach out to people and, and you know, have them come on the show and come up with different topics. And it just kind of started that way. And, and, you know, right from the first episode, I was like, yep, this is fun. I really like this and I want to continue doing it. And, um, you know, it turned into something that was a big focus of mine that unfortunately hasn't been, but I am actually about to record a brand new episode for people don't forget, which will be the first in over a year. Um, but we are coming back. We're going to be better than ever. So I'm really excited for that. And you've got, when you do the show, it's like you have to have all these memories up inside your head about all these pop culture things. Are you like a pop culture trivia champ where you live? Yes, I am. Yeah, I am. I'm, I'm that guy. Like, I'm that person that goes to trivia and is the unequivocal pop culture person. Um, I was funny. We were just at trivia last week. Uh, my friends and I we were at, a, like, a local pub trivia. And there was, a, a you know, a round. Um, well, everything was St. Patrick's theme. So it was a round of, like, pe- famous people with the name Patrick. And mm. there was, like, a picture round. And I just, like, right off the jump went 10 for 10. And they were just like, how do you know... Robert Patrick is and I was like I watch a lot of movies and TV like I don't I don't really know how to explain it um yeah no I'm I'm definitely that that person yes I love a trivia night me and my husband when we lived in California there was a local spot we go to every Tuesday I believe it was and you could win a hundred bucks if you won oh yeah that's yeah that's yeah usually we won twice Yeah, and no, I still I, I put on my resume. I'm like I'm a uh, Nickelodeon trivia champion winner and a '90s sitcom. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, we went. I went to. Um, so I I do live in Los Angeles, 
Um, and I went to, there was this new place and they were doing like this throwback 2000s trivia a year ago. And I went in there and just like crushed it. And it was me and two other people. It was a team of three against like all these other teams had like 12 people on it. And like, I was just keeping up with this team that had like 12 brains and it was just me. And I was like, okay, yeah, I, I, now I've officially arrived. Like now I get it. Now I get why people like say these things about me. They have one here where I live now in Virginia, but they just, they had a Nickelodeon one and somebody asked like, oh, what era? And they said all 2000s. And I was like, and they said maybe a little 90s. And I was like, oh, I might not do so well. Because the you're only like, one uh, I missed uh, was Jimmy you're like, I don't. You're like, I don't know if I can answer questions about Sam and Cat. Sorry. Uh, give me Victorious uh, and I'll do great. Okay, I'll slay you. Sam and Cat, not so much. That's where I started to bounce out. <laughs> I was like, hmm. But speaking of the 2000s, you I you have a lot of episodes about that, but I didn't see any about emo music. Are you planning to go down that road and into hot topic soon? I, I need to I need to get the right guests for that because emo music is something that's near and dear to my heart. I go to emo night every month here in Los oh. Angeles. I'm an act I'm an ambassador for one of the emo nights around here, so I get into shows for free, just saying. Um yeah, I mean they have like three or four different ones now. And so I, I go monthly. I'm I mean I'm obsessed. Like I, I absolutely love emo music. I try to go to as many shows as I can. Really excited that there's a yellow card show coming up here um and some other things. So that is absolutely one thousand percent a topic that I want to do, but it's getting the right person because some people um have certain negative connotations about emo music and they don't talk about it and it's one of those no i'm way too cool for that you know type of attitude so if i can't get my best friend who really isn't a big podcaster and doesn't really enjoy doing that then i need to widen my search and get someone else because i need someone who is as passionate about it as i am and that's what i try to do for all of my episodes is that i never want to be the person who's leading it i want my guests to like you know similar to what you do here you know is, is you want your guests to really you know be center stage and, and talk about things that they love and they enjoy and so i want it to be the same way for me i don't want to just wax poetic about emo music and have my guests like oh yeah follow up boys cool <laughs> but i mean i mean i could talk about i have a love hate i mean i used like i was in it i was in that scene in the early 2000s i went to college in la just to go to concerts i was like I don't know about class. Like, I spent more time at venues. My mom's like, what's your major? I was like, I don't know. I don't You're know, like mom. emo music? Yeah, I was like, I'm just going to my shows. I'm at Hob tonight, whatever, Knitting Factory. <laughs> yeah. And she was like, okay. But yeah, I can't. Yeah, but now I'm like, I listen back. There's some bands where I'm like, don't think I like that anymore. But there's also some albums. Because of the concert memories, like a lot of, I I did a lot for Fall Out Boy back in the day. So they're, they are always like up to a point so near and dear to my heart but paramore is still my go-to even though they're not really in that scene anymore they've, yeah. they've graduated yeah i have um so i have a custom-made shirt that i wear to the emo shows it's like um paramore's album covers like all meshed together so it's like riot all we know is falling and brand new eyes um which are really they're only like three like really emo <laughs> albums and so like i always wear that and that like i get a lot of shout outs like oh that's such a cool t-shirt uh you know and I, I love that and yeah that's what it is it's like i go to these shows and the music like all of it just takes me back to like a specific moment like i can remember like listening to this song in the car with my friends 
or listening to this song at a party or this or is a song play. yeah like this is a song that played like oh I, I remember going to this concert in like 2006 like all of these different memories that I have that are evoked by just hearing the music just that first chord of that first note and it immediately takes me back and I think there are so few opportunities for us as adults to feel that way that I try to maximize it as much as I can yeah, I miss. I did go to emo nights when I lived out there for a while, but then I was like, I'm, I'm tired. I wish they are a lot. <laughs> yeah, they are. They're a lot. Like some of them get out at, you know, one, two a.m. and like, but you don't even realize it's that late. And then you're kind of just like, oh, I got through the whole thing, but now I need to be like in traction for the next three days and not do anything. So. Before we talk about your other show, I wanted to do a quick speed round about some memorable things from the 2000s. Okay, let's go. Okay. Uh, Most memorable music video. Of the entire 2000s? Oh, my God. Um, They still made music videos then. (laughs) I know. I know. I mean, I don't want to say this because I don't want to be that person, but probably Toxic by Britney Spears. That's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, TV show. Most memorable for me is the OC. I would say for this age range, this generation, that would be a top top answer for sure. Yeah. Fashion trend. <laughs> um, a lot of them remember. I'm gonna say um, visors. Remember when people would wear visors in like the early 2000s? <laughs> yeah, with goggles. I I got in on that trend. I didn't do the goggles, thankfully. My eyelashes are way too nice to cover up with glasses. Um. But the visors, man, I bit, I bit hard on those. I wasn't a vi- I did wear goggles, but not on my eyes. I would just have them on like my forehead. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Get all oh. sweaty. Would you, Would you ever dangle them like around your neck? Like that. Was no, the they had to be like up on my forehead. Okay. <laughs> but my little brother was a big visor person. <laughs> with an afro so it was even weirder yeah i had like really big curly hair also it just it didn't make any sense (laughs) yeah and a celebrity couple from the 2000s oh justin and britney for sure the jean suit yeah that exact the denim the denim suit that's what it is denim on denim on denim oh that was the moment i feel like that's like when we'll be on our deathbeds and we'll be we'll see like a jean jacket and be like britney and justin yeah i know i know (laughs) I, I almost want to own one just to have it. Oh, yeah. I mean, I have a jean jacket, but I I won't wear it with, like, blue jeans, though. That's where I'm like, that's too much. I have to wear I mean, all, own. There are only two people who can pull that off, and we are not them. Yeah. Mm-mm, never be. Never be. <laughs> and uh, lastly, the most memorable celebrity scandal from the 2000s. Probably Paris Hilton. Mm. The tape. I just remember that being such, like, a... Because I didn't really know about that stuff before that, yeah. right? Like, that that was a thing that existed. Like, I, you know, obviously there were, like, scandals like that in, like, the 90s and stuff, but I wasn't paying attention. So this, it was like, you know, I was in high school and everyone was, like, talking about it at school. And, they, and of course, the internet was around now, too. So it was like everyone was trying to, like, search it and watch it. So that, I remember that being really big. Yeah, she, it was definitely Pamela Anderson, Tommy Lee of the 90s, Paris Hilton, and that guy in the 2000s. Yeah. And then, then we sadly got the Kardashians. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, but I would, I would, I would say that one, and then the second one, um, and this one definitely hit more home for me because she was absolutely and still is one of my all-time crushes. Was the Vanessa Hudgens picture scandal before High School Musical two came out? I do remember that. <laughs> yeah, Drake Bell as well. <laughs> Yes. Yep. <laughs> like we, I was like a big Drake Josh fan, so I was like, "There's a what now? 
Let me see. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then you just kicked off. We mentioned it totally rang this yes. year with, and this one you're going like you said you're going down uh, memory lane. You're ranking songs from every year. You started with the '80s. What made you want to start there, not like the 2000s? You working your way up? Yeah, I wanna. I wanna like. I want to do my due diligence and like I'm such a huge music fan. I'm like a you know even I, I constantly always go back and try to learn about music from you know different genres and from before I was born. And I grew up um, on '80s music. That's what my mom pretty much played throughout the household. So I have such an appreciation and such a love for '80s music that I wanted to kind of commemorate that. And I knew that I wanted to just release monthly. And so I thought, well, what will give me longevity in my podcast? If I start in 1980, I won't even get to the 2000s. I won't even get to my bread and butter until I'm a couple years in. So I wanted to give myself some longevity. And also like a lot of the podcast community that I, you know, have become friends with are a little bit older than me. And so 80s and 90s is more of their demographic. And so I wanted to do something a little bit more for them that was enjoyable because people don't forget is so 2000s heavy. And I feel like that's a very specific topic and I alienate a lot of listeners because they're like, oh, I was already grown and with a family in the 2000s and I didn't watch these TV shows. So with 1980s music, I feel like that's something that pretty much everyone can enjoy. Everyone knows 80s songs, whether you love them or hate them, you definitely know a lot of them. And so I wanted to just kind of start there and work my way up. And you said something that totally close to my heart based around Total Request Live, which for people that are a little younger, MTV, when they played music videos, had a show in the afternoon that was, well, we'll say quote unquote live from New York, and they counted down the top 10 videos of the day. And Mm -hmm. I watched it religiously. It was like, it was church for me. I would not miss an episode. I would freak out if I did. Do you have any favorite TRL moments or memories? I mean, I remember, it's funny, I actually just went back and watched an episode of TRL that I randomly found on YouTube like a week ago um, because they're really hard to find which is crazy in this day and age where everything is available it's really hard to find like full episodes of of TRL um, I mean I remember any time that like either the boy bands were on there because my sister was obsessed with NSYNC and so I definitely remember any appearance that they had on there but I also remember like Mariah Carey um, being on there a lot um Britney Spears obviously was on there a lot. Um, I think the, and I also remember the, do you remember the MTV Spring Breaks when they would go to yeah. King and like they would have all these different performances. It would be like a little Bow Wow performing and whomever else. Like I definitely remember watching all of those as well. Um, and I'm talking early TRL, like the first five years or so. That's that's prime TRL, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's the, bread the boy and bands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the boy bands. And then like, I remember being like really mad when uh, Freak Unleashed by Corn like took the number one spot over like <laughs> yeah. Backstreet Boys and NSYNC. Like, what is this? This isn't this isn't okay. Because number one was always like it was either a boy band, it was Britney, it was Christina Aguilera. Like, and I was like, all of a sudden, Corn Freak on a Leash, and I was like, what is like? No, this is this is unacceptable, right? It was like a riot in my household. Like, no, this is not. We can't do this. We need to start voting because <laughs> clearly our one non-vote made a difference, and now we need to get on the phones. But yeah, I mean, that was just like for you i like i came out at 3 30 on the east coast i'm from new york came home or came home from school you know first thing was like take my backpack off kick my shoes off grab a drink and a snack and watch trl like every single day after school probably for five years straight 
Yeah, I remember in middle school, they would give us like planners and I actually would write down the countdown and the guests and everything that of that day. And if they had like a video retire or premiere yeah. and my mom made me toss them. And to this day, I'm still pissed that I had that whole record. <laughs> like, I'm yeah, like, that's amazing. My archives, they're so right? there. Yeah. Like the TRL, the story. I, it was just so good. And I don't, there's just something about it. It's magical. I think it's if you love pop culture, that's where it was. It was like the hub of what was cool, what was happening. You had actors coming through too. It's like, yeah. And even though your sister liked the wrong boy band, that's okay. <laughs> it was just so funny too how like TRL would shape so much of like what my opinions were of the, at the time of music. Like I remember, I would I would get so excited for spanking new music video, mm-hmm. right? And I they would do the whole like the why are you so stupid, which is like the way that they introduced it. And like I remember when guests would come in when their albums would drop and they would go across the street to the Virgin Mega Store and like they would go like sign their albums. But it would also make me like not like artists like Corn. Like I remember when Eve Six Here's to the Night came out and that like went into the top three and I was like I immediately hate this song. I don't even I don't even have to listen to it. Hate this song because it's not like one of the artists that I like, so I won't listen to it. Like certain Limp Biscuit songs, it would make it super high on the countdown. I'm like, nope, can't do it, absolutely not. And it's just kind of funny like looking back at it. Like now those are all songs that I enjoy, but at the time I'm like I want nothing to do with these because it's not like on my approved list of the top. Top ten. Well, I re- I was really into like Limp Biscuit and Corn as well, but I if it was really I was in I was I was enlisted in the boy band war of 1999, so that was where I was like feeling yeah. if my boys, my Backstreet Boys, weren't number one, I was like, how did this instinct think they are? Oh my god! Even though secretly I did think their like I didn't think their music was bad, it was just like you couldn't be better than Backstreet Boys, you know. <laughs> I think 1999, at least, Backstreet Boys pretty much dominated TRL between I Want It That Way and, like, Larger Than Life. They were pretty much always number one. I definitely remember that. Mm. So for Totally Ranked, do you, like, stress over your rankings of things? I know I do a lot of top ten lists. I'm always like, I don't know. I just don't know if this should be seven or eight. Like, <laughs> Oh, yeah. I, I, I mean, I go back and forth. My list changes a hundred times before and probably up five minutes up until like when I do the episode, you know, because it's like any and any given day I could you know, I could flip flop them, you know, like if I try to listen to a bunch of the songs and I'm like, all right, this is my number four. But then the next day I'm like, no, you know what? I think I like this song better. And yeah, I definitely do a lot of back and forth with that. And what I'm learning, you know, and it's this is what one of the things that I like about it is, you know, going back and what I'm learning about the 1980s is that there are so many like good songs in each of these particular years that it's really hard to make this top 10. And like, I'll go back and forth like, oh, I really like uh, Hey Mickey, for example. Like, oh, I think that's a really fun song. It reminds me of Bring It On. Like, this has to be on my list. And then as I listen the next day to a bunch of the songs, I'm like, no, I don't think that makes it. Like, I think I like, you know, something else a lot better. So yeah, I definitely stress over it, but it's a good stress. It's like a fun stress. It's a stress that I welcome into my life. And you're starting with the 80s, you'll eventually go 90s, 2000s. Are you going to stick just to music or will you eventually branch out and write movies from these years, TV shows? Yeah, that's so that's my plan is to kind of get through the music. I'm thinking 80s to probably 2010s. 
um i'll go with music and then yeah i will reset it and kind of start back and do the top 10 movies um and then you know who else uh, the possibilities kind of endless i can do like you know the top 10 fashion trends or the top 10 scandals you know top 10 yeah celebrity couples from this year and things like that so i definitely have plans to to expand outside of music for sure well the 80s fashion trends you got a lot to work with they yeah. were crazy looking then <laughs> But they were crazy looking in the 90s, too. And then you have scene queens of, like, the 2000 emo MySpace. So it's always weird looking. <laughs> yeah, you look back now and you're like, wow, I can't believe that that was even, like, a thing. I can't believe that that was so popular. But you're like, eh, it was it was the time. It was the time. To look like a, a raccoon was on your head and take your MySpace. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I totally wanted to dress like Pete Wentz all the time. I was like, well, I'm mixed. I'm black, white, and Spanish, and I have really curly hair, so I was like, never going to do that. So I'm, I'm, and I'm glad I never did because I was like, oh, thank God, because those pictures would be bad. <laughs> Trying to straighten this hair, do that, all that diet, put ugh, ugh, no, it'd have been a mess. I was just kept it curly. Pony. Listen, I get it, I get it. I'm mixed as well, and it was really hard to go one way or the other because I couldn't really do either way. Yeah. Like I remember in the early 2000s, I wanted cornrows because of Allen Iverson. And like, this is when all the celebrities were doing like cornrows, right? Like, like J-Lo had them and like mm -hmm. all these different, and I was like, I want to do cornrows, but I was like, I do not have the type of hair for cornrows. Like don't, like, I can't even kid myself. Like I did not inherit that gene, can't do that. But then it was also like, I couldn't do like, not that I, I'm so glad I didn't, but I can't even do like the cool frosted tips either. Cause like that, my hair wouldn't really work for that either. So I was just kind of in the middle, like, I think I'll just like keep it curly. And thankfully once like the email trend started to come in that I could do, cause it's like, I can just part it off to the side and have half of it sticking up and have <laughs> a, a faux hog and like all these different things that I could finally do. So I was like, yeah, this is really exciting. <laughs> like I'm cool now, mom. <laughs> Yeah, I can finally like get into these fashion trends and then people are like, well, there aren't really a lot of like mixed, you know, emo lead singers. And I'm like, I don't care. It doesn't matter. We're, we're there. We're there. And little, I, my friends would always be like, hey, there's a black person. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's two of us. Yay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like the one, the one other color. in the school. Yeah. Oh, at school, no, there was no other black emos but me that I know I think of. there was like one, yeah, I think there was like one kid that like would skate around and I was like, all right, cool. Yeah, you want to talk about emo music? And he's like, I only listen to Sum 41. And I'm like, oh, all right, well, I guess we can't <laughs> be friends. I like them, but like, I also like variety. <laughs> like, do you like the used? Tingin' Mac Sunday? Anything? <laughs> Right, yeah, and he's just like, and he's like, I listen to Sum 41 exclusively. Okay, all right, well. Well, I hope that kid's somewhere in the world really excited because they announced a tour with the offspring and some oh, plans today. I'm sure he's ecstatic. I mean, <laughs> and everyone should be, though. I mean, Simple Plan, come on. I will, whenever they do Warp Tour, I was always there to watch for sure. <laughs> for sure. But I don't think I ever went to one of their actual tours. I don't know. It's been a long, it's been a lot of years since college. <laughs> a lot of time. Yeah. <laughs> so can you remind people where they can find you and your shows online? 
Yeah, absolutely. So uh, People Don't Forget is, again, available wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Um, you know, we do have a Facebook group on there as well um, for you to go and just leave any feedback that you have about episodes. Or the big thing for me is is suggestions. That's kind of my big thing with People Don't Forget is that there's no structure to it. Like, I, I have all these ideas, but I also want people to bring up ideas. Very similar to what you do, Kendra, is, you know, you allow the guests to really kind of choose, right? And steer the conversation and come on and talk about what they want to. I want the same thing with People Don't Forget. And so I, uh, you can also email me at People Don't Forget at podcast at gmail.com you can you know reach out on the socials at people don't forget uh pod so please do that um you know if you like this show if you know anything all those nostalgia based uh podcasts i think that there would be something for you um on people don't forget all the episodes are themed so if you go in and you're like oh i'm not really a sports person you can just skip that episode or oh i'm not a big movie watcher skip that one but i'm sure the next episode will have something for you so that's where you can find that one uh totally rank is a part of a big podcast conglomerate called the place to be nation um so if you go to place to be nation.com they'll have links to all the different shows totally rank is one of them it's a newer show so bear with me if 80s music isn't your thing i promise that eventually we'll get out of there and we'll get into 90s and 2000s and so again it's one of those things like i'm not offended if you don't listen to a certain episode if you skip it because it's not in your lane that's completely fine go in pick and choose listen to what you want to and, and hopefully you enjoy it i you know try Try to again provide a little bit of something for everyone i try to make especially on totally rank i try to make my list very diverse so that even if it's not a particular genre that you like there's probably a song later on my list that's in a different genre that that maybe is in your wheelhouse so i try to give a little bit of something for everyone because that's what i enjoy when i listen and so i try to give that same type of product oh all the variety you like a little variety pack uh, yeah, exactly. Got I'm like a lunchable. chips in the nineties. Like yeah, I'm like a, a lunchable. You got to have a little bit of everything. I got the snack. <laughs> I'm like a or like a TV dinner, right? You got the meal. You got the vegetable, the brownie. You know, I, I try to try to be diverse. <laughs> well, Scott, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me uh, about your TV genre crush. I had a good time, and everyone, you can find all of Scott's information below. And until next time, as always, keep crushing it. <laughs>